Hasn't it been great this morning? Yeah, it's been wonderful, hasn't it? It's been so exciting to see those guys get baptised. There's so many of us here. It's so good, so good. Um, I have got Anna going to come. Come on the stage, Anna. I've got so many people coming up on the stage during this preach. I don't like to be alone. I like friends. Anna's going to read the passage for me. If you could change the slides. God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. We, we, if we say we fellowship him, with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and don't, don't practice the truth. But if we walk in the light and he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, we is, uh, he is faith, faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Sorry about the last word. <laughs> thank you so much, Anna. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That's brilliantly read. Brilliantly read and good not to be alone on the stage. Right, I'm going to pray and uh, then we'll get going. Father God, I thank you so much for being with us today. I thank you for all you're doing um, in our lives. I thank you for your love for us. I thank you that we're here together as a family and friends. And I just pray that you will continue to speak to us today. Lord, we want to hear you. We need to hear your voice. We need you to come and help us to, to concentrate and to fix our eyes on you and all the wonderful things um, that you are. Lord, we love you this morning. Here are my bread and fishes. Lord, I pray that you would use them to bring you glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, so we have been going through a series at City Hope. For those that aren't normally with us, we've been going through a series. We do a different preach every week. And a little test. I'm afraid I've got no prizes. I was going to get some chocolate to throw out at you, but I forgot. So who can remember some of the other preachers? I don't mean the whole like preach, but like the titles of other preachers in the series. Can somebody shout some out? Other than the preachers, Rebecca Wittesee must know. Go on. She wrote all the notes. <laughs> Free to be. Free to be hospitable. See, I have to look at mine. <laughs> Free to be hospitable in a culture of isolation. We had that one week. Anything else? Hopeful. Free to be hopeful in a culture of despair. There's one more. Happy. Yeah. Happy in a culture of isolation. Cynicism. <laughs> Oh dear, doesn't bode well, does it? I know the one that I'm doing, that's the main thing, that's the important bit. <laughs> I am doing, I'm looking at free to be honest in a culture of appearances. Or my kind of subtitle, and I probably will say this a lot during the preach, is what we are in him is so much better than what we are often pretending to be without him. I'll say that again. What we are in him is so much better than what we are pretending to be without him. Okay, can I have a slide, please? So for those of you that are kind of thinking, oh, I didn't realize there was going to be a long talk at this church and already hanging out for your coffee, I'm just going to let you know the plan for this morning. These are the things that we are going to go through. So we are going to look 
at where society is and how it struggles in terms of appearances. We're going to look at the history of some of our struggles because they go way back. It's a bit gloomy so far, don't worry, it's getting better. Um, the problems we have here in church around hiding sometimes and performing. But then, and this is the best bit, we're going to look at Jesus, our role model and our righteousness. We have hope. We can live a different way because of him. So just a couple of things before I really get going is just to explain that when we're talking about honesty this morning, I'm very much talking about honesty in terms of our relationships with each other. Okay, so I'm not talking about honesty as in I'm not going to give you long lectures on how you mustn't nick the petty cash at work or how you shouldn't be taking chocolate from your children's sweet boxes when they're fast asleep in bed at night. That, nobody does that, I can tell by the laughter. Okay? That is not the kind of honesty I'm talking about. I'm talking about honesty amongst ourselves and how we relate. Look at this. <laughs> Cap King certainly does that. Um, how we relate to each other. We're talking about confessing our sins, Cap. It's going to be great. Okay, so this is quite a family thing in terms of the topic. So I just want to say, actually, if you are here today and you are not a Christian, and I know we've got loads of guests, which is brilliant, or you're not part of this church family, first of all, I want to say you are so welcome. We are so, so pleased that you're here. I also want to say you are very brave. Thank you for coming. Um, but I hope that today will be a really interesting insight into church life. Because actually, we are not all perfect, yeah? We have our highs, we have our lows. Um, and I want you to know, actually, that if you are going to come, and if you come again, that's what we really love, then you don't actually have to perform here on a Sunday. Okay, so if somebody said to you this morning, oh, I hear you're going to church, you better be on your best behavior. That is not true, okay? You are free to be yourselves here, okay? Because actually, as a family, we are a bit of a messy bunch of people, okay? We don't always get things right, but we are a family that has been captivated by the love of a saviour that loves and forgives us in spite of all our mess. So please feel free to be yourself this morning. Okay, so where is society and how does it struggle? Well, I think it's, it's, it's pretty obvious, actually, that we live in a culture of appearances. A society that says how you look, how you appear, that public persona, your Facebook profile, your lovely Instagram dinner is all really important. We live in a society, actually, where we want to look better and better, even though we're getting older and older. We take these perfect pictures of our homes and our families, and we stick them online, don't we? We even, and I have done this myself, <laughs> we even use not using social media at times to make us look good. So, example, I found myself, as Lent is approaching, posting things on Facebook like this. I'm just coming off Facebook for Lent. See you on the other side. It's like, there's no secret fasting for me. I am making my sacrifice as public as possible. I am way too holy for Facebook, everybody, and I want you to know that now. So even not using social media becomes a little bit of a performance for us at times. 
Um, maybe we're too clever for Facebook. We like our words, so we use Twitter. Maybe we can't write, so we use Instagram. You know, we all have our different form of stuff when it comes to online. We post our pictures. We put our masks on. Because as a society, we want to appear more confident, the top of our field, maybe the richest, maybe the funniest, maybe the cleverest, the most holy, the most politically correct, the most uh, woke. Is it woke? Woke? Yes, we want to appear all those things. Okay? So we have a problem in this society in terms of wanting to look good. Uh, yeah, next slide, please. Oh, it's there. She's there. There we go. So there's a history with this problem because actually it's really easy to look at Facebook and Instagram and all the online stuff and think, oh, that's, that's been the problem, that's the problem. But actually, humanity has felt the pressure to look good way, way, way before any of those things were ever invented. To see where the hiding began, we have to go all the way back to the Garden of Eden where everything started. Now, God had created, most of you will know this story, a garden that was beautiful, and he'd made man and woman, and they were in this garden, and he made it for them to live in. And the man and wife, they were naked. They didn't feel any shame. They were happy. They were happy with themselves. They were happy with each other. But we know how the story goes. They sinned. They messed up. They did the one thing that God asked them not to do, and Sin came into the garden. It says in Genesis 3, verse 7, at that moment, their eyes were opened. They suddenly felt shame at their nakedness, so they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. The Bible says that the cool evening breezes were blowing in the garden, and God had come for a walk with them. Now, that walk should have been amazing. It should have been an exciting walk with the children and their creator. But because sin had come into the world... So had shame. And Adam and Eve began to hide from each other and hide from God. And it's so sad because actually on that day, that's where all the hiding started. And sadly, we have been hiding from each other and from God pretty much ever since. So although we like to think it's a big problem out there in the social media world, actually, it started years ago in the garden and at times, and it's really sad to say it, but at times it can be rampant, even in the church. So there is a problem even in the church. I'm going to talk about a few obstacles to honesty. So if you could change the slide for me. At my children's school, they have like a singing thing. And, it's, and I will apologize in advance because I can't really sing, but for the point, I will do it. Is that they have a call and response. And the singing teacher will sing, she sings, hello, how are you? And then the um, children have to sing back, I'm fine, thank you. And I go to their assemblies and I listen to this, and I think sometimes that can be a little bit like the church coffee time anthem. Do you know what? We, must, we've all, we laugh because we've all done it, where somebody has said, uh, how are you? And the other person just says, I'm fine. When actually... A more honest response, or more truthful response, might be, I had a really bad week, my children were out of control, I shouted at them so much on Sunday, and then I had to run a parenting workshop on Monday, and to be honest, I wish I wasn't here. <laughs> it's true though, isn't it? It's true, we just say, I'm fine, and actually we're not fine at all, but we can't quite get 
the words out. We can't quite be honest. And like Adam and Eve all those years ago in the garden, we start to fear being seen, seen for who we are. Worried that others will see our weakness, they'll see our ups and downs, they'll see our emotions and they'll see our sadness and they'll just write us off. And do you know what happens practically, I think, when, when, this, hap- when this happens? I think both parties miss out. So basically the person with the need that's had a sad, terrible week shouting at their kids all week, they miss out because they, they miss an opportunity to be listened to. You know, to say how they feel, to be prayed for. So they miss the opportunity because they haven't shared. But also, actually, the person asking the question, they miss out too because they miss the opportunity to be the brother or sister in Christ that God has created them to be, to use the gifts that he's given them. So both parties miss out. In 1 John 1 verse 7, it says, But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Living in the light, brings, being honest, brings, friends, brings fellowship, but hiding and shame completely destroys it. So today, and I promise I'm not going to be walking around listening out, but if you are asked in the coffee time how you are, try just to be honest. Try not to say you're fine if you're not fine, okay? Let's try and be honest with each other. I think sometimes also we fear being judged. We fear that our sin is going to be revealed and people will not think that we're quite as great as uh, we want them to think we are. Do you know, confessing our sins to each other is not just for the brave amongst us. It's for the obedient. I think I sometimes walk around thinking, you know, confessing my sins to people, that's just what really, really, really brave people do, people that don't mind what people think. But actually, in the Bible, it tells us to confess our sins to each other, and we need to get a bit more practiced at that. I want to say a little bit about performance. Maybe you think, well, I don't feel that I'm hiding anything. It might not be a problem for you, but maybe you feel like sometimes you need to add to who you are. There's a guy called Brendan Mannon, and he is the author of the Rag and Muffin Gospel. And he wrote this. He calls the performance that we put on the imposter. And he says, the imposter is the classic codependent. To gain acceptance and approval, the false self suppresses or camouflages feelings, making emotional honesty impossible. We present a perfect image to the public so that everybody will admire us and nobody will know us. The imposter prompts us to attach importance to what has no importance. You know, like all those pictures of people's dinners on Instagram. No, no, I'm joking. I don't, I don't know about Instagram. Um, clothing us with a false glitter, what is least substantial, and turning us away from what is real. The false self causes us to live in a world of delusion. The imposter is a liar. Because actually, at the end of the day, we all want to look a certain way. I'm going to give you an example. Some of you will know that my husband, Dan, is a fashion designer. Ooh, yeah, I know. Ooh, it's so glamorous. <laughs> and um, so he's a fashion designer. And because he's a fashion designer, he will have these really um, fun events where he invites his clients. They come and look at the clothes that he's made and hopefully buy them. And uh, these events, sometimes in his wisdom, he asks me to help him. 
which is brilliant for me because I get to walk around all evening in a very, very posh dress drinking Prosecco. It's great. So it's really good. Another thing that he sometimes asks me to do in these events is he might ask me to um, put on an item of clothing that he's made just to show a client what that clothes looks like on. Because a lot of clothes don't look very good on the hanger. It kind of saves them trying it on. So I put it on instead. So there was this one time where he asked me to put on some trousers just to show one of his clients. So I go into the changing room, I put on the trousers, kind of fling back the kettle, feeling like a model, ta-da! And Dan looks at me very seriously and says, they're on the wrong way round. It was so, (laughs) so, he doesn't let me do that anymore. He now just asked me to make canapes instead. There's no more trying stuff on me. So it's so embarrassing. I was trying really hard to fit into the fashion world, or at least look like I knew how to dress myself. But no, I couldn't even do that right. I was unable to fit in. And you know what? Like my trousers at that event, we sometimes get things very back to front in our thinking. Because we focus on who we are and how we appear instead of focusing on how who, who he is and how who he is has changed our appearance forever. So how does this play out in church? Um, we start to compare our performances with those around us. So it seeps into many areas of church life. It might be parenting. We feel like we've got to parent like other people. It might be serving. How many years can you run a connect group for and still be smiling? 20 years, 25 years. How many checks can you put away after the meeting? How many cups can you straighten? How how can you still look nice in those bright orange kids' worker T-shirts and still have a smile in your face? I mean... There's so many ways that we can start to kind of compete with each other. Now, I'm going to get my lovely friend Bev up to the stage. I'm going to have to do this quite quickly because I'm going to be running out of time. So, Bev, round of applause for Bev. Do you know, she's on the stage, she's in the pool, she's on the stage. She's amazing. Okay, so, it's fine and good that we admire people, okay, and have mentors and learn from each other. Um, But sometimes, if that admiration becomes comparison, then it can start to crush us, and it's not that great. So I'm going to give an example. This is Bev. Like I said, she's a really good friend of mine, and uh, we have a really good connection. Brilliant. This, this resembles our collection, connection. Okay. Now, I don't want to embarrass Bev, but I'm going to tell you some of, the, some of the things about her that I've noticed that I think are really amazing. Okay. So we do feedback together. She is so good at relating to people at feedback. You know, it's amazing. She just relates to everybody. Every time I turn around, Bev is praying for somebody. I mean, she's just very, very bold. And I see these things. And actually, when I see them and just admire her, it's quite good for our connection. Because I think, oh, I can learn from Bev. That's really good. We are very connected, Bev. (laughs) And um, so that's great. But the problem is, is if that admiration and that me seeing good things in her and that love that I have with her, if I then start to compare myself with her, it can go horribly wrong. To say I think, well, actually, I won't bother going to help at Food Bank anymore because Bev is so good with people, I can never be like her, so I just don't think I'll bother. Our connection gets a little bit broken. Maybe me and Bev are in the same connect group. Ah, oh, that would be lovely. <laughs> and um, so we're in the same connect group, and I, th- and I feel like the Holy Spirit prompting me to sing 
uh, a song out, and you heard my singing earlier, so you know it's not that good. And I think, oh, I want to sing that song. I want to see what God tells me to. But actually, do you know what? I can't because Bev's here, and Bev can really sing properly. And our connection can get broken a little bit more. Do you see what I mean? So actually, too much comparison can kill the connection. Thank you. Thank you. Comparison has killed connection. And there's a reason, one of the reasons why it kills that connection is because there's no hope in it. Um, Because actually, the Bible never promises me that I'm going to be like Bev. It doesn't say, you know, one day you'll be more like Bev. It does say that I will be changed from one degree of glory to another. Amen. It does say that I'm made in the image of God, but not Bev. So to compare myself with someone else is not always a great comparison. Okay. So what's the answer? What can we do? We can look to Jesus because Jesus is our role model and he is our righteousness. Jesus is our role model. Actually, if there was ever a culture that valued appearances, it was in his day. The religious leaders that lived then had a real problem with it. They were always praying out in public, trying to make their acts seen before men. It was a real issue. They were performing, earning, sacrificing, trying to look good, and yet they were unable to humble themselves and accept the one that could free them from all of it. And amongst that culture of performance, Jesus never once performed. He was totally himself all the time. He didn't base his happiness on his popularity. He knew actually that the crowds that one day, that one minute are kind of worshipping him as he enters Jerusalem on the donkey, would the next day or later on be crying out for his death. He didn't perform. He wasn't swayed by that popularity. He never denied who he was, not even once, not even when faced with death. So Jesus is our role model. Jesus is also our righteousness. Sarah, could you put the next slide up, please? Brilliant. Oh, sorry, Joel. I know it's not a nice picture. I'm sorry. Um, I wanted to go for one that looked like how it was. (laughs) It's not a good look, is it? It's not a good look. You know, if Jesus had had one, his Facebook account, would have been closed down that day. There'd be no Instagram, no Twitter from the cross, just the son knowing exactly who he was, a son unable to deny who he was. The Bible says actually that there was nothing beautiful or majestic about his appearance, nothing to attract him to him, to attract us to him. Shock horror, he didn't have film star or Instagram looks, but he knew who he was, and he knew what that would do. His knowing who he was as God's son achieved so much. His death and resurrection brought us a relationship with him. And it does make me wonder sometimes, actually, what being us being secure in who we are in him could achieve. Because we perform, we hide in order to gain approval, to avoid being rejected, yet the one we are trying to follow was rejected and despised. We say, Jesus, we want, to, we want to look like you. We want to be like you. We want to look like you, but we, we don't want to look like this. Completely dependent on the Father, destitute apart from him. Because this, the cross, is where Jesus honestly brought him. 
And actually, if we are going to have the power and the courage to live honest lives, this is where we must come to, to rely on who he is and what he has done, not on our own righteousness, not on our good deeds that we're so quick to take loads of pictures of, but on him. Even though we forget who God made us to be, God's son never did. And by Jesus knowing who he was, death was defeated. Our shame was removed and placed on him. So we can live in the light, honest lives in a world consumed by appearances. Do you know, because of the cross, we know who we are. We know who we are and we need never hide from each other or from him ever again. Jesus gives us a new identity that we cannot possess or earn. The fig leaves are gone. The glitter is away. We don't have to make our own clothes anymore because he has clothed us with garments of salvation and he's covered us with robes of righteousness. What we are in him is so much better than what we often pretend to be without him. Now, I have some friends coming up. Rachel's going to come and play the piano for me. I have some friends coming up to remind us of who we are in him. They're going to read out some Bible verses. I don't know if they're going to stay with me, maybe not on the stage, but along the front. They're going to read out the verse. If my friends could come up too. Come up, that's it. It doesn't matter what order you read your verse in. So they're going to come up, they're going to read their verse, and we're going to think about who we are in Jesus, the reason we don't have to act or perform. I can come with the microphone and hold it out to you. Oh, actually, sorry. (laughs) As they do that, as they do that, I'd really like our response to be to stand. If you feel in standing, I'd like us to be saying that we are together actually in this. Okay. In standing, I'd like us to be saying, we are together in this. This is who we are. And we will march on together as a church family, relying on these things, on who we are in Jesus. Not on our own righteousness, not on the things that we can try and do left, right and center, but actually on who we are in Jesus. So if you would like to do that, if you would like to stand with us acknowledging who you are in him, then please stand. Please stand now as my friends just read out these passages. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Ephesians 2.10. Anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, a new life has begun. 2 Corinthians. We are his friends. I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends since I have told you everything the Father has told me. John 15 verse 15. See how very much our Father loves us, for he calls us his children. That is who we are. 1 John 3v1. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. John 3 verse 16. For you are chosen people. 
You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. 1 Peter 2, verse 9. We are free. So Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you stay free and don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. Galatians 5, verse 1. We are seen. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment laid out before a single day had passed. Psalm 139, verse 16. We are planned. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. Ephesians 1, verse 4. You can just stay there, guys. Don't go anywhere. So today we had a baptism, and uh, some people uh, got baptized as a showing of what Jesus has done for them. So those people, for the guys that got baptized today, they are now part of this. Okay, they haven't just come to know Jesus for their lives to be changed a little bit, for them to appear slightly differently, but actually they've been born into a family. They are all these things now, along with all of us. We don't need to compare to perform anymore. We don't need to hide away from each other, although some of, most of us have done horrendous sins. We don't have to, because this is who we are in Jesus. This is who we all are in Jesus, and we are so grateful to him. Shall I pray? Father, I thank you. Jesus, we thank you for what you've done for us, for the righteousness, for the, for, the, for the love, for the mercy, for what you've made us now in you. I thank you that we don't have to hide any longer. We don't have to hide from each other. We don't have to hide from you. The fig leaves are off. We belong to you. We stand tall today in who we are in you as your children. And Father, I pray that you would help us in the coffee time, in the connect groups, in our communities, and in the church, to walk forward in who we are in you. Please empower us, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.